hundred bids a go. <laughs> well, it's a, a good evening, obviously, in Radio FM88 Australia Studios in Brisbane. And uh, you can see from the introductions there that our guest is from the United States. It's our privilege, um, of course, to have someone who's prepared to get up at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's uh, unbelievable, and I really appreciate what she's gone and done. But nevertheless, at the top of the totem pole, you know the drill in the Northern Hemisphere is the co-host, uh, Andrea. There she is. Okay. Good morning to you. Hi. Morning, everybody. Evening, afternoon. And if you're listening to the replay, welcome to Dream in the New Dream. And today it's the 26th of October 2023. And this is the last morning where we're going live at 10 a.m. because next week we change the clocks this weekend and it will be 9 a.m. Anyway, I won't whinge because Carol's here at 5 a.m. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming on such an early time to share um, all what you do. So you are a certified biological decoder. Um, and there's lots of things I want to ask you. And I've written down lots of notes. So let's start at the very beginning. Where were you born and how did all the steps come together for you to be doing all this amazing work, um, which I'll ask you more as we talk. But where were you, where were you born? And then I think she's going to do a little salutation there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> do several things. First, I just wanted to thank you for this great opportunity, both of you, Andrina and Jeff, for inviting me on the show. And this is my first foray and certainly the radio. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much for inviting me here. Um, amongst all the other things I've had the, the opportunity to learn and travel and, and uh, experience, one of them was uh, a month in, in Peru as a sh uh, learning shamanic rites or taking shamanic rites. And then in Hawaii, after that, I uh, met up with a kahunu who said, I really needed to learn this. And so she gifted me a, um, a toning uh, that asks the ancestors for wisdom. And since so much of the information I'm giving today is, I believe, wisdom that will help everybody uh, stay healthy and be healthy, um, I'd like to do that for you for just a moment here. Fantastic. Thank you. And it's in Hawaiian. So... <clears throat> E o mae kaike mai luna mai e hona me o hona noe o hona malei e o mai e o mai e o mai e o mai kaike mai luna mai e. Thank you. That was beautiful. I had gooses the minute you started. 
gooses were going up and down my spine. Oh, that was lovely. Thank you. Okay. Okay, to answer your question, how did it start? I was raised on a farm in Oklahoma, youngest of six, Angus Farm, and we had horses and all sorts of critters around, a pet deer, etc. I uh, educated at the University of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, where I was uh, uh, got my Bachelor of Science in Nuclear Medicine Technology and practiced for 10 or more years uh, in Miami and Fort Lauderdale. And then when I moved across the country to San Francisco, I changed jobs, changed locations, changed relationships, changed everything in my life in about two weeks. Wow. <laughs> I started having cardiac symptoms for some strange reason. <laughs> which segues quite nicely in today's talk. Um, everything was changed. I, I started having shortness of breath and chest pain, and you can see across from East Coast to West Coast. Um, and fortunately, I had a physician who was very holistic. He did some tests and said, there's nothing wrong with my heart, except you're going to die if you don't find some way to handle your stress. I said, well, I play racquetball all the time. Doesn't that do it? He said, no, no, no. I mean, relax on the inside. Mm. So I started taking a course in Qigong, Tai Chi Cha, and 18-form Qigong. And two weeks, I practiced every day because I was a little bit nervous about all of this cardiac activity. And uh, two weeks into an eight-week course, all my symptoms disappeared. Wow. After a year of them growing. So that's what started me on this whole mind, body, spirit adventure. I've always con been connected to the land because it's my farm upbringing, but that was what got me into the consciousness of how everything's connected with mind, body, and, and psyche. So I um, learned how and uh, was certified in 18 form Qigong and Tai Chi Cha when I was eight months pregnant. <laughs> Practiced every day during pregnancy and my daughter was just, is just amazing. And she would be embarrassed if she hears that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's now 30, so she's well on her way to her own life. Um, I practice in, uh, move back to Florida. And one day I just wanted something to read, was roaming around Barnes and Noble, and a book practically jumped off the shelf at me in the self-help area. And that was Dr. Eric Pearl's uh, The Reconnection, Heal Others, Heal Yourself. And I practiced Qigong. I could move energy between my palms. But I started reading this book, easy read, cover to cover. It's got a good sense of humor. And by the end of the book, I could feel even more power between my hands. So I thought, okay, I got to learn how to do this serendipitously. I've been synchronous all my life. I've been at the right place at the right time to be able to learn from the right people. I've been very fortunate and blessed. So just two weeks later, he happened to be holding... Um, a week-long seminar to learn the reconnective healing the following week the reconnection so in two weeks I was certified in both reconnective healing and reconnection have been practicing that for 16 years or 17 years now um, I have seen many patients from all over the world I can do it long distance uh, I was telling Jeffrey early that my furthest patients are in our clients not patients my furthest clients are in Australia New Zealand uh, England, uh, Puerto Rico, all around. So distance doesn't make any difference. Once you get on the other side of the veil and start interacting with the field, there's no time space there. So um, I was remarried by that time and my husband passed away 
uh, after 10 lovely years of marriage, very happy, the marriage was. And um, we had a company that I brought back out of almost bankruptcy because we'd taken two years off and I won't go into deals what happened there, but I went back, got it built up, ready to go and sold it about six months later and had to get out of town. So I was thinking, okay, I want to learn to do something else with my voice. How about toning? And I just Googled toning and who is the first to pop up, but Dr. Todd Obrakaitis, who was teaching a toning class and spiritual toning at a Lee Carroll conference, a channeling conference in Sedona, Arizona. So I bought a ticket, got enrolled and took off, <laughs> learned toning and got introduced to Lee Carroll and all his cadre of friends who, who uh, channel. That was my first foray into that as well. Um, and started doing the choirs that winter in November. And the first one was in Maui. And we've been all over the world since then every year um, to Chamonix, France, to Bulgaria, to Ulur, Australia, um, to Cancun, Mexico, to Hot Springs, Arkansas, which is nothing but a mountain of pure crystal, um, mm -hmm. doing these tones uh, and creating a vibration that, according to Dr. Todd and the channeling from Cryon, has, has created, um, in Maui, we had a thousand people there that the volume and the power of the tone sent a sign or a, uh, a tone and a message out to the Pleiades or some planets nearby, who knows where, that there are enough of us here who are conscious that we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it through the chaos, we're gonna make it here. And there were people all over the world holding different types of ceremony at the time. So I would just like you to be part of that large group. And many of them since. Um, then, uh, during the choir in Australia, in Uluru, uh, Dr. Tab had a guest speaker, Enrique, de, uh, Enrique Baron from Uruguay. And he had um, introduced him to biological decoding, which is, uh, and Enrique is still the foremost authority right now alive on on biodecoding uh, and Dr. Fabian Brotos on dental decoding. But he gave uh, a little lecture on what actually biodecoding is, which I will regale you in a moment. Okay. And I thought, I've, got, I've, got to, I've got to do this. I've got to learn this too. So I was online at two o'clock in the morning in Australia enrolling in this and two weeks later I was in LA learning how to do, or actually Southern California, San Diego, learning how to do um, biodecoding and that was a week of very very intense 12-hour days learning that yeah. and several times uh, doing that to to learn the biodecoding and that even more so with the dental decoding um, along the way with the choir the biodecoding the dental decoding uh, boy that's enough for now also went to Peru and got my shaman rights and uh, I just love to learn there's always something new. Uh, biogeometry, I just finished a really intense course in that. I've been practicing that for six to seven months. Not certified, but look forward to doing that. Um, so life is rich and there's always something new to learn. And I try to also practice what I learn. Um, so I have clients for lots of different uh, modalities. And the client usually tells me 
uh, either with their body language or with their words or with their situation, what it is, and some of it's intuitive, what it is that they need right now, whether it's reconnective healing, biodecoding, um, biogeometry, um, all of them are not diagnostic, they're not treatments, but somehow in the process, many times, healings occur. So with that said, uh, I have to start with a little disclaimer. I am not a physician, <laughs> not a dentist. I will not give advice on what meds to take or stop seeing your doctor or what surgery to have or what implant to have. I don't do that. But what I do do, do, do is um, <laughs> impart uh, wisdom to help you help yourself and help you understand how this mind and body and spirit work to make us happy, to make us healthy, or to make us ill, and then help us get well again. So to understand the big picture of the process is um, a lot of fun to tell. And I think hopefully your listeners will get some ahas along the way. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll let you carry on because obviously there, there's steps to you know what you've done or what you've learned and where you are now so um carry on <laughs> fascinating so uh who i am is all the things that i've talked to you about but that's not necessarily who i am and it's not who we are who we are is we are our part of a unified field we're part mm -hmm. of the whole we're part of the one expressing it in all sorts of different ways which means if we're like a cup of the ocean, then we have all the capabilities within us that can do anything. We are unlimited and eternal. So anything that I'm talking about that I can do, you can do too. If you have the desire and pursuit, um, even their biblical scriptures, all these things I can do, you can do it more. So um, we all are part of the unified consciousness and unlimited. So my intent here is to take my hundreds of hours of study and practice and help empower those that are listening today and inform you how things, the theory, and many times proven how things really work. Um, a famous person once said that unusual abilities will continue to be looked on as Miracles are magic until science has a machine to measure it. Mm -hmm. Well, at a real big precipice in which science can measure a lot of these things. Um, so hold on to your hats. You might think you've not heard it before. So what I'd like to start out with is some audience participation wherever you are. I can't see you, but I can see you, Andrina and Jeffrey. So. Uh, I'm going to ask us all to participate in this little experiment. So what I'd like for you to do is hold up your hand if you're right-handed, your right hand. And just one finger and close gently. And I'd like for you to look down on top of it. Let's see if I can stand up. Look, where am I? Left, right, left, right. Down on top of it. And I'd like you to rotate it in a counterclockwise circle. And don't just do the little finger. Use your whole arm to rotate in a counterclockwise circle. It's going clockwise. Now keep it going that direction, nice and gentle and slow, big circles. And what I'd like for you to do is going clockwise. I'd like for you to do is slowly allow it to rise and keep going in the same direction. Allow it to rise until it's rising, rising. Take a look at me. Let it rise and go 
until it's all the way above. And now, now let it rise above your head, above your head, all the way up. Doesn't matter if it's out of the point of view, you can see it. And now look up and tell me what direction is that going? What direction is that? It's going anti-clockwise. Anti-clockwise. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't change your directions, right? No, mine, I'm still going clockwise, anti-clockwise. <laughs> That's correct, but you started yeah. anti-clockwise. And now, same direction. <laughs> now you're going anti-clockwise. What mm. changed? So from your vision, go from your vision looking down to looking up? Yes, your point of view, your perspective. So something could be clockwise, it can be anti-clockwise. 180 degrees difference. Opposite, black, white, um, up, down. It can be absolutely 180 degrees difference and be the same. That's where the unity comes in. It's all the same, we're all the same, we're all part of the same consciousness. And when it comes to arguments, whether it's with the family or political or religious arguments, it's all the same, just from a different point of view. So I've helped people resolve a lot of differences and arguments when you just stop to think that I don't have to agree with you, but it's not wrong. It's different, it's from a different perspective. And so much of what we do with biodecoding and any kind of healing and any kind of part of our life is the ability that the ability to look at things from someone else's perspective. And in that lies a lot more wisdom than we would have had we only looked at one perspective. So with that in mind, um, I'll jump over to our DNA and then I'll tie these two together. We're made of DNA and cells and atoms. And our DNA, it only takes 10% of our DNA to create a whole functioning human being. 10%. Wow. What is the other 90%? Yeah. <laughs> Long time ago, they said, oh, it's just junk DNA. It's just there. Yeah, there's nothing junk about anything in our body. The other 90% has many functions one of which is um, transmitters and receivers. Transmitting, receiving, constantly transmitting, receiving, 24 seven, what is it transmitting and receiving? Vibrations, vibrations of energy, thought, awareness, emotion. Emotion is energy in motion. So we're constantly sending out from every piece of DNA in our body and receiving all of the vibrations from everything around us always. Now, some of it's conscious using our senses, 90% of it is unconscious beyond what we see here through our senses. Okay. <laughs> Pause. The other part of the DNA. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like in It's like Deer in the headlights there, listening. To that yeah, thing. deer in the headlights. Yeah, I will have those moments. Two hours of sleep. Here we go. <laughs> the other, another part of the DNA is uh, holding our Akash, the records of everything that happens from when we're conceived, sometimes even before we're conceived, all the way through our lives. Um, it Because we are transmitting and receiving, it's in constant receiver mode. 
So whenever we have a conflict or an argument or some sort of challenge, our DNA goes into overdrive because it's really transmitting and receiving. And it records everything around that conflict, the color of the lights, the smell of the flowers, the people that are around us, the laughter, whatever. And it incorporates that if we can't resolve that conflict into a perfect biological solution, which when it comes up, we refer to as disease. So if you would, Jeff, if you could put up the uh, graph. Whoops, wrong one. The graph, uh, that's the tooth numbering. There's one with a hand-drawn graph with little spikes on it. Got it. So now we're getting into a little understanding of, of biological decoding and how the brain, body, and the psyche all work together for one purpose and one purpose only. And that is to help this body survive a life. Okay. And with that purpose, our bodies have the capability. We are a walking science factory. We're a walking chemistry factory. We produce thousands of chemicals every second of the day to help run our heart, help run our brain, uh, help remember things, and also help us through um, adversity and through love, which sometimes can be the same thing. <laughs> um, so what you see in this chart that I quickly drew up last night is you have a graph here. The vertical line is energy used and the horizontal line is time passing. So you see a little infinity sign on the left side and an infinity sign on the right side. And that is here's our spirit before we're born infinitely in one direction and we live our lifetime and here's our spirit after we're born infinity in the other direction. So we're born right there at the very first moment um we're actually born with nine months worth of experience keep in mind as soon as egg and sperm meet and create that vesica pisces in the middle and then it divides and divides once it reaches 21 divisions then the spark of life comes in and from that time on there's some sort of consciousness so some people say that you are connected directly to your mother via the umbilical cord. You feel everything she feels. You eat everything she eats. Everything is connected to your mom. So you're born with nine months of whatever experience she's had. Then you're born and there's a little stress being born. And you can see that little, little blip on the left-hand side is just a little stress being born. And uh, let's say, let's say this is a client, and let's say uh, they're a baby, they're six months old or three months old, and the family's gone out, it's summertime, they're going out on a boat, and it's a white boat, and there's things blooming, uh, roses blooming on the shore, and people are laughing and happy, and somehow the baby crawls over the end and falls in the water. Cold water, Brr, cold, oh, I can't breathe, what's going on here? Struggle, struggle. Okay, now you've got a huge struggle for life. And these responsible, relatively responsible adults. So one goes over the side, grabs the baby, brings them up, and knocks a little of the water out of the lungs, and baby's just fine. 
Now understand that all the time that child is in the water, that uh, once it crosses that line, that little dotted line you see there, that dotted line is how much energy it takes to run the body. Once a stress crosses the line of how much energy it takes to run the body, the brain, the body, and the psyche all work together to say, okay, we got to do something. We got to write a program. If this doesn't stop soon, we're going to write a program to, to help this person survive this. It'll be a biological program. So at the point it crosses that line, that's when the program is being written, just like a computer, right, 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 right. And at the very top of the line where the little arrow is, that's where the conflict is resolved. That's where the, mm, the parent jumped in, pulled the child out, got the water out of the lungs, conflict done. Mm. Now the required energy in this baby can continue running its, its uh, bodily functions. But there's still that program there. And there's several times when things can be programmed. One is before birth in mom. Two is during birth. Or, and three is many times during your life. So it can be programmed at birth. Let's say in this situation, because the baby went into the water, got water in the lungs, had a mild bronchitis or pneumonia and was over in a week or so. No worries. We go on through this person's life. Now the child is young man. He's grown. Uh, he's in college. He's on spring break and they get to go out uh, well, spring break in North America, South America, it would be somewhere cold, but spring break in North America would be uh, going to the lake on a boat with your buddies. And they're horsing around and having a good time. And somebody pushes him overboard in fun. Right now, he knows how to swim. It's no big deal. He falls into the water and there's a sudden stress. I'm falling, oh, falling into the water. That water is cold. There's roses blowing on the side. There's a white boat. There's talking going on but Notice that all of these things are the same things that happened when that baby fell in the water. Now, the brain is inherently um, lazy. <laughs> and the first thing it's going to do is look back and see, is there any other time this happened? Hmm, okay, falling into the water, all these things, pneumonia. You see that it's a little while before he crawls out of the water, he swims around a little bit or goes underneath. And so it triggers that program as soon as it crosses the line and the brain goes back and finds that previous program. Now he gets out of the water, they finish their jolly time, and a few days later he develops pneumonia. And he's going, what's going on here? I don't get it. Where did this come from? There's nothing going around. It's because he had the same trauma, similar triggers, and the brain reverts to the old program. Have you ever had heard of someone that says, yeah, I've had this on and off all my life. I don't get it. This is what happens. So there's an original program and then there's a trigger. Now we go on down through time and this person's much older and they have a different sort of trauma. They have a car wreck or there's a fire in the house. It's a different sort of trauma, but whatever the case, the trauma crosses that line again and the brain inherently lazy he goes back and say okay trauma i don't see anything that happened like this okay what was equally as traumatic mm, go back to the beginning okay i got the perfect biological solution that and again that is if the person doesn't resolve it and resolve it quickly and hangs on to it whether it's emotionally or physically then that program will kick in and re-trigger and boom 
person gets pneumonia again. So this is how our bodies, minds, and spirits work to help us resolve conflicts. So pneumonia is in the lungs. That's an existential conflict. That means I'm drowning. That means I can't breathe. Now that's going to be, these conflicts can be real. In this case, it was a real conflict falling into the water, the first two cases. In the last case, it could say the person lost their job. And to them, their point of view, and everybody's got a different set of filters from the way they were born, from the family they were born into, their religion, their teachers, their preachers, their experiences, everybody's got a different set of filters and how they look at things. So what works for you might not work for me, etc. It's very individual. But in this case, the person didn't resolve it and so this kicked in. Um, in this case, it was an existential conflict and he lost his job. He thought, I can't breathe. I just, I can't breathe. How am I going to tell my wife and kids instead of how am I going to pay for things or how am I going to feed my family? What am I going to do? I can't breathe. Let me, uh, you know. So if he holds on to that, uh, a way to prevent the pneumonia from happening would be to very quickly go out and get another job. And more than that, change your thought process, change your emotions, your energy in motion to where it doesn't cross that line to go, okay, well, hmm, what an opportunity this is to go somewhere else and try something new or work with this other business across the, across the, the country or across town. So whenever there's an emotional thing that happens in order to uh, one just resolve it quickly two if it can't be resolved then find another way and find a way that feels better and look for other good opportunities that come out of that issue or that conflict many times what appears on the outside to be a conflict or something horrible is actually an opening of a door and one door has to close before another one opens. So if you look at things that way, step back, look back and think first, what's my lesson? How am I feeling and thinking about this? How do I resolve this quickly? And oh, by the way, share it with a friend, talk to them about it, have a hug fast, <laughs> whatever you need, have a birthday, whatever you need to do to relax and reevaluate. Now, share, but don't overshare. <laughs> women, women in particular tend to overshare. Can you believe this happened? Can you believe he said that? And then somebody will chime in, yeah, that's really terrible. And, and it just conflagrates from there. So share, but don't overshare and don't hang on to the situation mm. and move on. This is really a huge key to staying healthy. This is how some people can smoke like a sieve and never get lung cancer. Some people can be athletic and run and have a diet and, and uh, never smoke and they get lung cancer. Why? What, what smoking and bad diet and no exercise, what that does is that lowers that bar uh, that bar of requirement of energy to run the body it makes it harder for the body to function because you're polluting it with all this uh, uh, either chemicals or bad thoughts or emotions. And it lowers that bar to where it takes less and less to trigger a program. So it doesn't necessarily cause it, it makes you much more susceptible. 
which while I'm on that subject, inherited diseases. Mm. What is inherited disease? My mom has this, I'll have this. Not necessarily. What we inherit from our parents and our grandparents and all the way back is a propensity to think the same, to have the same filters, to have the same religion, to be raised in the same family and react the same as our parents do. Sometimes you'll find that the child that moves far away from the family without all of their drama thrives much better than the ones that hang around and try to figure it all out. That doesn't mean everybody should leave their families. No, no. <laughs> but um, it's, it's a propensity to behave the same way. And we all have the freedom when we observe something that keeps cycling around within our families. Uh, we all have the choice to not react, to not get involved. We have the perfect right to be compassionate, but we don't necessarily have to vibrate with the anger and, mm -hmm. and frustration. We can be compassionate and love them to pieces, but we don't have to dive down into that lower frequency. And many times when we carry, when we rise above that, and this is not an ego trip or anything, but when we don't react and we look at things from their point of view, that, you know, I can understand how you feel that way. Have you ever thought about looking at it this way? Some people will do it, some people won't, as we want to experience it. <laughs> uh, and it's okay to experience it, just experience it and let it go. Um, so, there's... It's like, it's like that perception of the number six, isn't it? So, if I draw the number six and I put it down on a piece of paper, it's one dimensional, and you're standing on the other side, you see that as a nine, and I'm seeing it as a six. That's a, the, the same perception that you're just talking about, isn't it? Exactly. And everybody has a different perception. Again, because your beliefs and your upbringing and whatnot. And once you go away to college, you get a whole other set of perceptions. And then you go to work and you have a whole other set because you're influenced and learning all sorts of other things. So it's fine to change. It's expected. You should change as you go through your life. Many times conflicts are caused because you don't change or won't change. Um, with this experiment here, I've, I've done it with people that that refuse to believe that perception makes a difference at 180 degrees of, of a subject. And what they'll do, they'll get to just about here and then they'll change direction. Yeah. Make it to where it fits their belief system. And this is what the, you find that this is what they do in their life. They perceive everything to where it fits exactly into what they believe because they refuse to change it when there's new information that comes in. So the best thing we can do is be open be open-minded, uh, but not so open-minded that our brains fall out. <laughs> so <laughs> open-minded is great, <laughs> but also use your discernment as to whether something is true or makes any sense at all. All right. You think, you think Americans has been the leader on the planet for um, therapy? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. I mean, with Dr. Phil and all the other, um, all the stuff. Yeah. Maybe. Dr. Wayne Dwyer or all these different Deepak Chokka. I mean, they've, it seems to be a mecca for, um, what would you call it? Uh, Therapy. Yeah. For, uh, self analysis, self analysis, self, uh, yes. Yeah, self analysis. 
I think part of that has been because we've had uh, the freedom to do that, to create anything we want, to go anywhere we want. And, you know, when you go out on the edge of what most people accept, you're going to run into some, uh, some naysayers. Um, and yet it keeps on going and uh, pretty soon it rises to a, a different level of understanding. There's a lot of things you can say and do now that you couldn't do 20 years ago without people looking at you like you mm -hmm. were. Um, okay, let's see. So with biodecoding, again, it's not a diagnosis or a treatment, but it's an understanding of the cause and meaning of disease. So I'll give you an example from a couple of clients. Um, and, and that's anything that happens in the body, whether it's a, a broken bone or whether it's a, and there's no such thing as an accident, by the way. That's what you do to create a situation that gives you the perfect biological solution. Uh, so anytime anything goes on in the body, what my goal is to have anybody step back for a moment, go, what's going on with me right now? Especially if it's never happened before, what's going on with me right now? What happened? this week, this month, this year, or usually it's this week, this month, uh, that was stressful. And how did I handle it? And how can I change how I feel about it? I'll give you an example. I was teaching Tai Chi at a, a retirement place here in town and was chatting with the uh, activities director before class started. And I was telling her a little bit about biodecoding. She said, well, I gotta show you something. And she showed me on her middle finger she had a third fingernail growing out from the side. It was really oh my gosh. strange looking. She said, I said, and the first question always, when did this start? Mm. Well, it started uh, November or so. Okay, started in November. What was going on then? Oh, well, we were getting ready for all the holidays. And there's this one woman. Ah, drives me crazy. She come in and just barks this order and barks that order. And by the way, as a decoder, you know that the person, once they know that someone's there to help them, their subconscious brain will speak to you in many languages. She barked this order and barked that order and this should be purple and that should be red and we should do it at this time. She said, I just, and I have to hold it in because she's a client and I have to be nice. But, oh, I said, do you have a cat? She said, yes, I do. Well, this person that's barking, what would happen if a dog came in and was aggressive to your cat? What would she do? She would show her claws. And she would show her claws by growing a new claw. And she would show her claws by growing a new claw on that particular finger <laughs> to have a double meaning. I oh, yeah, like the middle finger, yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. So once she realized that, it was like, whoa, okay, so now, how can you handle this person differently? How can you relax and deal with her and maybe placate a little bit or show her a different point of view to where you can deal with her on a general basis without losing your temper and without having to hold it in? So she figured that out. And a few weeks later, when I came back to teach another class, it had, it had mildewed and fallen off. It was gone. She did not need that perfect biological solution any longer. Amazing. The same woman, same day. That well, okay, that's pretty cool. Tell me, I have been afraid, I mean, seriously afraid of water all my life. 
Okay. Big key all my life. All my life, I can't go around my, and she was surrounded by water, beautiful lakes and streams and fountains, and it was surrounded by water where she worked, where she couldn't go outside. She was terrified. When she said all her life, I asked her one question. So, did you find the water and almost drown when you were a kid? Go back to my previous example. Well, yeah. Do you know that your mind and body inside you are saying, you get near water, you're gonna die. Stay away from the water. No, stay away from it. So it caused that apprehension. It caused that paranoia near the water. And I did a little a bit of EFT, some tapping to get rid of the fear. And five minutes later, she was out with her feet dangling in the swimming pool. No problem. Fantastic. So sometimes these things can happen immediately once you make that connection. And... Um, if you know, if you no longer need that biological solution, then it can go away fairly quickly. It could take a day, a week, a month. Um, and sometimes it might need some medical intervention. If it's really sudden and huge, you might need some antibiotics to keep you from <laughs> being succumbing to uh, uh, a disease or something, uh, just to get you over the hump. But many times in the discovery process, it'll just go away on its own. So, Carol, just going back to the one where uh, you know, uh, the woman who instigated it. So, her name was like, Carol, by the way. Hey? <laughs> the, the barking dog, her name was Carol. All <laughs> oh, right. Um, so, the question is um, you know how she's obviously gone and dumped, yeah, and it's like, she's transmitted, someone's received it, and then you become a transceiver. So when it comes back to that actual original woman, the dog, in that analogy, yes. what's, what's got up her to be able to go and voice and verbalize and get um, send out a contagious thought that's been manifested in the, in the other lady? And that, that could be uh, the barking dog. That is a whole other issue. She's got her issues as well. That's why she's barking. Anybody that behaves in other than a friendly way has some issue going on in which they feel, um, ooh, could be anything not heard in this case, out of control, um, uh, lorded over. You know, if she's got, it could be any one of those things or, or many others. I would have to sit with her and decide what is it. That I understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, years if, ago, we had a, that a question. No, I think, yeah, because um, I've looked at it from a higher perspective and I'm thinking, we had a guy called David Phillips on the radio years ago and he's um, Australia's number one engram expert where he, he sits down and listens and then he, he puts you into one of nine different categories. And as an individual, then I said to him, do you do that for businesses? He said, yeah, businesses can actually formate and go into a certain pattern. So when a person comes in there, they may not relate to that particular way of doing business. So, you know, if it's a a bank, for example, that person's a five and they can live in there pretty much because of social security issues and all that stuff. But if you get someone who's a seven who's in the marketing, freedom, come in and whatever hour, bring your dog and cat, it's not going to work for that one. So I said, okay, can you take it to another level and go to a country? He said, yeah, no problem. I said, what's America? He said, it's a three. And what's three? All show, no substance. I said, oh. <laughs> so like it's like an energy per, for a country the dynamics of a country depends on who's actually 
created the original spell as such and everybody has to fall in line with that particular spell and then other people are trying to counteract that spell and come up with their form of either their religion or their, their sport or other cultural um, initiatives that come from other countries so there's this constant soup uh, that's what i've only felt talking to you or listening to you tonight we're in a soup and it's a matter of rising above that soup we are and and uh, it's a very good point thank you um and many times your perception of a country or a city or an individual is based on what's most verbal what's loudest what's the top of the news so many times, and I, I listen to BBC and, and many radio shows from around the world, and I find it extremely interesting what everybody else thinks of us and what we see from the outside and what we think of everybody else, just because of who covers it, how it's covered, and who's the most loud voice. <laughs> uh, and understand that in a country, there are millions of people from every point, good, bad, in every place, uh, good, bad. There we get into duality, that's judgmental. The further you get away from the center and the more you spread out to one direction or the other, the less balanced it is. The closer you get to the center, the more balanced it is. That's why meditation is so great, to help yourself interact with the field and get balanced and get away from the fray that's around you to where you can recenter yourself and vibrate at a much higher level. Um, part B of the question that you ask and, and how the other person, the dog, how she got there is how this person could affect the dog in we're both transmitting and receiving. So she's transmitting and receiving as well as I am or as well as that individual was. I did a personal experiment with this. Uh, I, I didn't mean to do an experiment, but I was forced into it. Um, went in to get my hair done. This was years ago. Small shop, all women, eight stands, eight women getting their hair done. And for some reason that day, I had my hair getting colored or something. And so I was sitting there waiting. For some reason that particular day, everybody was complaining about their children, about their husband, about their dog, about their life. Everything was and I, I almost wanted to run out of the room. It was just so like females mm -hmm. on chalkboard. But then I thought, okay, practice what you preach. Little heart math here, get into coherence. So I stopped for a moment and sat there and closed my eyes and took a deep breath and got into heart-brain coherence which actually puts out a toroidal field that goes out about 30 feet around you. And within that field of unity that goes around you when you're in perfect heart-brain coherence or close and perfect as we can get, um, anger and frustration, violence cannot exist within that field. So at that point, I kid you not, within 30 seconds, the whole place went quiet. Five seconds later, they all started talking about microphones. <laughs> it changed the vibration of the whole room. So one person can affect many just yeah. by remaining calm and quiet and centered and by disconnecting from the fray. Definitely. Mm. I know we. there's a couple of things because um, 
I was going to ask you what's the difference between language of the body and body language? Okay. Well, body language, there's been lots of books written about body language. If, if, if one were to sit there with your arms crossed like yeah. this, <laughs> sit there and do this, that's very uncomfortable. What you're saying is very uncomfortable for me. Uh, it's body language. It's fairly well known. If you look up and look down, as you're searching for answers or making up and answers. The language of the body is where biological decoding comes in. The body speaks with biology. It speaks with what we refer to as illness or disease, when actually that is the healing process. That's when the, the uh, uh, bacteria and the viruses and, and the molds and mildews and whatnot, that's when they come in to clean up the mess. And depending on what microbe, uh, what layer of embryology that affects, where it's survival or whether it's uh, emotional contact or moving, those critters will move in and clean up the mess that we made and we'll get sick. That's when we don't feel well. That's when we go to the doctor and get antibiotics to fight the healing process. Um, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. I'm just saying recognize it and resolve the problem so that you don't have to. Um, so the body speaks with biology. Here's a very simple example of it, and you can play with this and, and look forward to using it at another time. Um, have you ever been in a crowd of people and there's somebody talking, whether it's a lecture or whether it's just a bar party or something, something is said and you hear someone go, <coughs> or you go, <coughs> just a little nervous cough. They don't have a cold. They don't have anything. Just <coughs> a little nervous cough. That is the body speaking. That is the body saying, pay attention to what was just said. It's important. You need to hear that. So in the future, keep an eye out for an ear out for that. I, I was in a, a Greg Braden seminar a couple of years back. And Greg was doing what Greg Braden does, beautiful lecture. And one sentence he mentioned, well, he had mommy issues. And I kid you not, three men on one row went, <laughs> all of us who are trained in biodecoding looked at each other and kind of smirked and looked down and going, okay, we know, we know. <laughs> so um, this will be a level of awareness that anybody that's listening to this can have. Uh, and if it's your own body that goes, <laughs> pay attention, go, whoa, what was just said? Why is this important to me? What do I need to learn here? Okay. Yeah, it's recognizing the signs, isn't it? There's something going on. It is. It's speaking to you. So yeah, yeah. we'll first whisper, and then it will talk. It'll get a little louder with the biological, uh, you know, you'll feel tired. You need to go lay down. We're the only mammal that tries to work through illness. We don't feel good. We're tired. We gotta, we're going to go to work today, and we're going to work through it. And <laughs> And it just makes things worse. If you feel bad, go chill, go lay down. Now it's difficult to tell your boss, I need to go home and lay down or I need to take a coffee break or something. But when your body speaks to tell you that you are exhausted, you need to do like the coyote does and go into the den and rest so that you can heal. Give it time to heal. Mm -hmm. um, oh, here's an interesting point is just because you've had an emotional conflict doesn't mean that you're going to get sick. But people that get ill all have had an emotional conflict. And it could be either theirs. Oh, here's the other unique thing about how the brain, body, and spirit work is that it works 
number one for humanity in this order number two for your family on your mother's side and your uh your clan on your father's side so anything that's happened over those lineages and third and last with you personally so there are things in your dna and your decoding that could go back to your parents your grandparents your great um, as a decoder, we start from you and work backwards. If we can't find anything going on with you, then we go back to what happened when you were in utero when your mom was three months pregnant. And then we go back, what happened to your grandmother or your grandfather? So um, many people will go through life and just not get sick. That's because they don't react. Enrique says, just don't care. I don't want to go that far about not caring. Care, but don't react. Figure things out, look from a different perspective, breathe through it, learn the lesson, move on. I know we haven't spoke um, much about teeth and, you know, and the bi biological uh, decoding yeah. to the dental decoding. So can you, because I know when we spoke, you mentioned about whether it was, was on the mother's side or the father's side. So um, would you share something about the teeth? I would be glad to. Um, okay. So the teeth are very unique. If you, and the reason I start with the biodecoding is to show you the difference in what goes on in the rest of our body versus what goes on in our teeth. Both of them involve conflicts. The body, embryologically, is fully formed within the first trimester. We've got a heart that beats and lungs that breathe. Well, not yet, but lungs that are there. And all of our parts, most of our parts are, are there. So it is fully functional in the womb. And you're born and then it continues there for the most part. The teeth, we come in toothless. We don't have any teeth. And we go out toothless as well. And we go out toothless. <laughs> well, some of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, and as the older you get, the less teeth you have sometimes, or the less healthy your teeth are. So the teeth are different in that, yes, they record conflicts, but the teeth are the communication between your body, the outside, and the inside world. It's the communication to our brain about the conflicts that we have. And it communicates with electromagnetics. Each tooth, one tooth, will produce oh, a terabyte of information. And each brain cell is capable of handling four bytes, four bits of information. So each tooth is connected to much of our brain. And each tooth is connected to a different part of our brain, but many, many, many little dendrites in our brain. Every other tooth, like every other finger, is um, pol polarity. We are full of polarity. Our fingers, if we want to look. Ooh, I've got the wrong one. If I were to look at one finger that's going clockwise, I look at the next finger, it goes counterclockwise. That means polarity is one is positive, one's negative. I let, oh, now it's positive. The next finger, that's negative, and that one's positive. So every other finger is different polarity. 
The same goes on with our teeth. Every other tooth has a different polarity. The positive pole to the negative pole. If you remember your, your grade school playing with magnets, you put magnets together, and if you've got positive and negative, they attract each other. This is why our teeth are every other one. Positive and negative poles are upside down to each other because it holds our teeth together, it holds the gums in, and it holds the teeth inside our body. Now, what happens when we have a conflict is we have on that energy graph, whoa, that energy level goes up because we've got some sort of issue going. We've got frustration, some emotional conflict going on, energy in motion. And the tooth is made of, not of bone, the jaw is made of bone, but the teeth are made of something called hydroxyapatite crystal. This is the same material that the body calls upon when somebody has a heart attack and it needs to repair that part of the heart that died. It makes a lattice over the top of it and makes a scar there. The teeth are all made out of crystal. And for those of us of a certain age, we might remember back to our grandmother's time in which they had a radio. Jeff, you're in radio <laughs> business. That radio was a crystal set. Hmm. Crystal communicates. People have crystals in their homes because they have energy. They communicate. Our teeth communicate because they have polarity. And they communicate with each dendrite in the brain or with a group of dendrites in the brain with electromagnetics. So when we have a stressful time, then that energy level rises above the level of what keeps us going. And our teeth, the tooth that every tooth has a meaning, every tooth has a function. So even a face of the tooth has a meaning or a function. And that particular tooth that has that particular function is communicating like crazy to the brain and it's over accelerated it is frying the brain cells with too much electricity with gigawatts of electricity and the brain says wait 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 i've got to survive here and the brain flips the polarity of the two teeth that are adjacent to each other and what happens then is that now there's a break in the circuit now you can't communicate to the brain of that particular situation. And now those teeth start to separate just a little bit, just a little bit, just enough so that food and bacteria can get caught in there. And this is what causes a cavity. Now, mm. most dentists believe and have since dental dentistry began is that all it takes is um, bacteria and food or carbohydrates specifically to cause a cavity. It's missing one thing. And, and so consequently, wash your teeth, brush your teeth, use the water pit, keep the bacteria and the carbs out of your mouth. And yet, even when you do, sometimes you get a cavity. Why is that? Because it takes more than carbs and bacteria to make a cavity. It takes a conflict and a reversal of polarity, and a space for those carbs and that bacteria to get in there, to inch away at that teeth, which has a purpose. It's the perfect biological solution. That particular tooth has that particular connection to the emotions and connection. It's all about relationships. Our teeth, I'll get to that, is all about relationships. So that particular relationship has an issue that caused it to overwhelm the brain. And so now the polarities flip, 
the carbs and the bacteria get in there and we have a cavity that eats away at that tooth so there's not quite so much crystal there so there's not quite so much communication and then it stops and we get a fill or whatever we do with the tooth and once the issue stops and all of the excess energy goes away and now we get the cavity fixed the brain will flip the polarity back and then you have a tooth that's stable Got a cat, old cavity in it, but now it's got a filling. So you can look at somebody's dental x-rays, especially the panoramic, and you can see the root canals and the fillings and everything else, and you can see the pain and anguish and that that person has gone through and which tooth and why. Um, whenever someone comes to me for a different type of healing, whether it's reconnective healing, biodecoding, uh, bio et cetera, one of the questions I will ask on a little questionnaire is have you had any dental issues? And if they have, sometimes in just mentioning it in association with the issue, yeah, I've got this thing that's bothered me for weeks. Wow, not bothering me now. Sometimes it can flip just like that. Just because your subconscious brain says, oh, they're conscious of the problem now, hooray. And sometimes if you don't handle the issue or if it's popping up, popping up and then you end up with serious decay, root canals, etc. Again, I won't tell you to do or not have a root canal. That's not my place. No. <laughs> People have to do their own research because we're all coming from different points of view. You know, like I can say to somebody, well, I wouldn't go down that road, but then it's not, it's their journey in it. So it's not for me to say. I just I just say to people now, do your research first, check it out, make up your own mind. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so um, talking of teeth, because um, obviously that's a fascinating subject. And um, I spoke to you previously and I was saying about that they always take out the wisdom teeth. Is that is that um, a good thing to do? Because talking to somebody else a long time ago they said that they should be left and the teeth will fit they would all work around each other space-wise um the wisdom teeth connect us to the wisdom of our ancestors they also connect us to the secrets of our ancestors whether it's lies or cheating etc um they also connect us to tolerance and absolution of our ancestors. So they connect us to things that go on in our family and clan. On the right side, it's our clan, our father's side. The front, front tooth is your father tooth. Mm. Front incisor is your father tooth. And on the left side, uh, is, yeah, my left, um, is your mother tooth. It's yes. funny because I've never, you know, like when anything's going on, like if it's my left hand or my left knee and I look it up to see what the issue is, you know, you know, what's going on there. I've never actually thought that the teeth, the left side is the feminine and the, you know, and so that, so that's interesting. So because I, I have sent teeth charts to people when they say they're having toothache or, and I said, well, you need to look at the emotional issue that's going on. So I usually send a, a chart so that they can look it up and work through that issue, like with EFT or something. Yes, yes, yes. On, on the subject of the wisdom teeth and leaving them in or not, if you just want to take them out because they're, hmm, 
have cavities or something. I would try to keep your wisdom teeth as long as you can. Uh, I had mine out when I was in college. Um, wisdom teeth also are con your connection to spirituality. And so if you have your wisdom teeth out, it could be a good long time. Could be. Now, this isn't true for everybody because you still have the essence of the connection there, the energy of the connection there. It's just not a physical connection. If you have the energy, uh, the wisdom teeth out, uh, decoding says that this is what makes really good slaves. This makes people that will do what they're told, that don't have their own mind, that can I can tell you what to do and you'll do it because mm. they don't have their own spirit, their own direction. Uh, that was just one statement. I can't say uh, whether it's true or not. No, no. They about it. Also understand that, uh, again, you've still got the energy of the tooth that's there. It's just not totally connected to the body. So there's not a whole lot of communication going on to the brain on that subject. Yeah, we do have an expression. It's fed, fed up to the back teeth. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the back teeth. So the teeth are all about relationships. And you can see by the way they come in when you're a baby. And when they come, the first ones come in when you're up to six months. And the second ones come in when you're up to six years. And the third ones. And, and as you get a little older, the rest of them come in. And then your wisdom teeth come in. And that has to do with the uh, autonomy cycles. The autonomy of A, knowing that I'm a me when you're born, and autonomy of your biology. Ooh, this happens when I burp, you know. Autonomy of your biology. And let me get some notes here. Autonomy of thought, when you're six to 12 years old, that's when you start to rebel a little bit because I can think for myself, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And then 12 to 18 is autonomy of choice. I choose. I can vote the way I want. I can choose to do this. And this has to do with the molars. Um, and then 21 and to 24 years is I am. That's your identity. That's I'm a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, a, a radio announcer. That's when you kind of have your, your, uh, your career set out for you or you set out on your career. So each one of those teeth has a relationship according to or a development according to how the teeth come in. And those are the relationships we have as we get older. So if you look at the two first incisors, the mother and the father, oh, by the way, it's all about relationships. So the top row of teeth are the masculine or the yang. The lower row of teeth are the feminine. And then they're kind of separated in the middle. So on the Upper right, that's masculine, masculine. So that's the archetypical father influence in your life. An archetypical father, whether you've got a real father in the picture or not, a real, a, a, your actual father is in the picture or not, an archetypical father is the father function. So even with gay couples, there's still someone that has a father function. And with a single mother, she sometimes has to be both the father and the mother function. And that is the, uh, care, the, the father function is the earner, uh, the way shower, the uh, protector of the outer body, the protector. And then you go over to the top up, upper side is the uh, divine feminine or the archetypical mother. And that is the caregiver, 
the empath, the nurturer of the spirit. And on the bottom uh, teeth, uh, we've got on the bottom left, or excuse me, on the bottom right, because that's the father function, that, that earner, that uh, wage earner function, I guess it's the function of that, and, and different people uh, segue into different functions in this day and age, but there needs to be that, that function, uh, is the profession and the work. So the bottom teeth on that right side have to do with your work and your profession and your boss and your, your um, things that go on at work or the things that you consider work. Again, this is, this is real, metaphoric, or symbolic. So with a housewife who stays home and raises the kids, her work is her home and her child raising. So she could well have a problem in her molar on the bottom right side, even if she doesn't have a nine to five job, but it's her work, her symbolic work. Um, and on, when we go to the left side, again, the top is a symbolic feminine, the symbolic uh, mother side. Um, and you go down to the lower, which is the feminine aspect of that. Then you get into relationships of spouses and family and, and uh, couples. So if something's going on on the bottom left side, it very well could do to be with a relationship going on, some kind of conflict, real, imagined, or metaphorical, uh, with a relationship. With that in mind, um, we live right here between the two where they meet. And the communication that goes on between the teeth um, goes on between the teeth and then goes to the brain and connects the two. So therein lies the decoding of what connection this tooth has to this tooth or this one has to this one. Uh, what are the feelings and everything involved in that? With the, I'll just say one more thing and then ask a question. So with the right. two front, the general incisors, the, the father tooth on the right, the mother tooth on the left, the teeth next to them is our relationship to father and mother. So if you get a cavity on the father side tooth on the right central incisor, but the cavities on the tooth on that central incisor, not on the, the one right next to it, then that means that issue is on the father's end. The father has an issue with you and it's showing up in your mouth. If you have a cavity on the one next to it, the lateral incisor and nothing on the central incisor, there's a conflict there and it's in you. That's very telling. And the same thing on the mother side, the conflict with mother, etc. Those four incisors um, are the central family, father, mother, child. Okay. Fascinating. So what so I want to ask. Now you're referring to number seven, eight, nine, and ten at the top, are you? Uh, that is correct. Eight and nine are the central incisors, and seven and ten are the are your relationship. To the parents. Okay. Very good. Andrea, sorry. Right. Um, yeah, a lot of people are born with a big gap like Madonna in their teeth. And and I remember somebody saying to me, Well, if they've got people got that, it's really lucky. And I don't know 
whether that's the case or no but what because when there's such a gap like that what does that relate to well when we go back to the polarity and the gap this is mother and father this is a mother and father that love each other this is a mother and father that might love each other but they're not quite so close as a regular family mother and father so when there's a gap there might be again real metaphorical or or imagined um, in that person she might have observed in the formative years when those teeth were coming in she might have observed a real big spat between her mother and father she was only two at the time she might have observed that and those teeth came in kind of separated they might get along just fine now but when she was forming those teeth there was a she observed a little spat between mom and father and it was so strong in her it hurt her little child heart to where okay i'm going to separate those two <laughs> makes sense mm, fascinating that's an, sort of another subject isn't it each tooth and relationships and and healing them and what have you yeah no it's been really uh, really enjoyed it really um yeah i don't think I have anything else to ask on the subject so I don't know if there's anything else or any tips or wisdom in teeth or life or anything you'd like to leave us with <laughs> well I'll bring in another example another example of the canine teeth canine teeth are just that they're canine teeth they're made to rip and tear flesh right <laughs> so there was a, a young lady or vegetables <laughs> um, there was a young lady who had canine teeth that were impacted. In other words, they just didn't come down. They were there on x-ray. They were there. They just didn't come down into her mouth. She had issues starting with her, her family in which she couldn't say anything without being yelled at. And then went on to get still impacted, went on to go to college, get married. And her husband continued on that cycle and yelled at her a lot. And finally, she'd had enough. And she stood her ground one day and said, look, I want you to look at things my way. I want you to understand that I have rights, I have feelings, and I'm not going to take this. Please back off. Within a couple of days, her incisors came down. Really? That means I stood my ground. I can snarl. I can stand my ground. So the, here's another thing that happens with the teeth that's different than the physical body. I don't, correct me if I've already told you that um, with the physical body, as we saw in the chart, the perfect biological solution could happen when it's programmed or not. It could happen when it's triggered first time or not. And it can happen triggered to something that's unrelated or not. With the teeth, the teeth do not lie they are our communication to the brain if there's something going on you will see it in the teeth and it happens fairly immediately within a few days or weeks so for the studio audience here and for the audience out there um, whenever you've got a tooth problem step back and you don't have to know all the decoding and the meanings and everything that's really cool to do or if you find a decoder and they help you. But you're living your life, you understand what's going on. 
This is your body speaking to you that says stop, step back. What's going on either in reality, physically, uh, emotionally, or metaphorically, or in my own head, what's going on that there's a conflict going on right now? And you, you've got the, the general uh, mother, father, work, family quadrants. What's going on right now that I need to address either with the person, again, it's all about relationships, with the person, whether it's at work or at home, uh, at the PTA, whatever. What do I need to address in a kind way that is causing this? And um, how can I resolve this? And it, it just helps us make more aware that the body's speaking to us. Mm. And in the case of the teeth, it's something fairly recent. You shouldn't have to delve back too far to figure it out. Sometimes our subconscious brain will, figure, will feel something when, our, when we're not conscious of it. Or our conscious will be so afraid of it or we'll have a heart wall built around it where we don't want to notice it. But the teeth notice it. The teeth don't lie. So whenever you've got something going on with the teeth, uh, pay attention to it and try to figure it out. You don't need a biodecoder necessarily and resolve it. And keep floss, brush your teeth and use your water. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's brilliant. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Carol. It's been an absolute delight. And yeah, I should be looking at people's teeth now. <laughs> I'm getting the tooth chart out just to, um, yeah, check things. But, yeah, fascinating. So thank you so much for being our star of the show this week. And, um, yeah, thank you once again. And it's really my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Same time, same, same time, same place next week. But an earlier time, remember, UK time will be 9 a.m., I'll tune in and have a listen. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. Fantastic, Carol. Loved every minute. It was really attentive. All right.